There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erio's production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be balding, bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball, gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm, sperm cast. Hey, what's up, y'all? First, I want to give a big thank you to my Patreon, my newest Patreon subscribers from the last two weeks: Marissa Lanternman, Gina O, Katie, Christina Johnson, Caroline Stoddard, Courtney Clunch, Elizabeth Wildman, Meg N. Cammy, Jean Hardig, Ree Ray Reagan, <laughs> Regan and Reagan Parsons, who upped her pledge. Oh my God, thank you so much. Carrie Bond, Hannah Fenster, Laura Vasquez, Marla, Marla or Maria? You see, this is what happens when you transcribe from Patreon to a document. I, I don't know if it was, I think it's Maria. Laura Keelholtz, Caroline Shriver, and Joni Vernasco. We are now at 210 subscribers, y'all, and $653, which is mind-blowing. Thank you so much to my newbies, and thank you to my OG subscribers, and thank you to all of the subscribers in between. If you're not a subscriber yet and you want to jump on board, go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast, where you can get real-time updates on my reproductive system and feel great about supporting this whole venture, the venture of baby making, and of course, the venture of podcast making. Now, for this week's updates, well, the bad news is that we don't have any updates on my rebiopsied embryos. That's correct i still do not know the results of my rebiopsy and no i am not happy about it i'm not going to go into detail about it here though because i vented enough about it on the patreon at the five dollar level and yes my bitching is privileged information what i can tell you is that i have three important doctor's appointments scheduled most importantly i have my consultation with my old clinic california fertility partners where my frozen eggs are stored and that is this Friday. I was scheduled for November 5th with my old doctor, but I realized I could see one of the partnering doctors sooner. Her name is Dr. Chung, and the great news about her is that I asked Dr. Kalen if he'd ever heard of her, and he said, oh my goodness, yes, she's fantastic, and he actually worked under her at USC while he was doing his residency. My acupuncturist, Jaron also had wonderful things to say about her, so I'm actually looking forward to meeting her, even though I'm petrified of the whole... I don't, because I just don't know what's going to happen, but anyway, I also have an MRI appointment to have my liver hemangiomas looked at on October 29th. I'm a little scared because this time they're injecting me with some kind of contrast solution into my bloodstream, and they, they said I'll be fully in the MRI tube for an hour, an hour, but whatever, I'll get over it. And lastly, back in August, I scheduled an appointment with CNY, a fertility clinic in New York up in Albany, and they do IVF for pretty cheap, and that phone consultation is finally happening on Thursday. So, who knows? Plus, I have a mammogram on the 30th just for shits and giggles. 
So that's all very exciting. Now, would you like an update on my mood? Well, the good news is this morning I'm feeling pretty good. But last night when I wrote this out, <laughs> I was feeling like shit. Okay, I wrote this. I've been feeling pretty wrecked. Aside from the constant beatdown I'm getting month after month regarding my fertility, this month is particularly hard because it's the first cycle in 11 months that I can't attempt pregnancy. Yes, I also skipped a month after my miscarriage, but for the most part, I've gotten used to trying. It gives me a sense of purpose. I'm always happy after an insemination, and I was so happy when it was time for my egg retrieval. Without being able to try, I've just found myself questioning my purpose in life and the purpose of life. Oh my gosh, this is... I mean, I was feeling really shitty. I can't believe I don't feel that shitty this morning. Anyway, back to it. I wrote, I'm back to wondering why I want to have a kid at all. Is it just to complete me? Is it just to feel a sense of accomplishment since I can't seem to achieve that sense of accomplishment in career and love? It's a whole ugly existential crisis. One of those dips in the old rickety roller coaster of my life. But I'm snapping out of it already. Maybe. We'll see. Oh, look at that. See, I was hopeful last night. And then I wrote this. The shitty part about being down in the dumps is that I don't want all of my episodes to be downers. I want this show to be a source of light for all of you. And this season has just been full of crying episodes, and today's episode is no exception. (laughs) See, I recorded this interview a couple weeks ago when I was very upset and confused about my embryos. But look, I'm seriously sick of all the crying, so this is going to be it for a while. Like, at least three or four episodes, maybe five Hopefully Dr. Chung doesn't let me record our consultation because I'll definitely be crying in the consultation. Okay, let's do this. Way back in May, I was a guest on the Perry Peltz show on Sirius XM, and that's when I met this woman. My name is Dr. Julie Vaughn, and I am a holistic fertility doctor. I've been practicing in Manhattan, New York City, and online and lecturing online and around the world uh, for a good long while. Dr. Julie wrote a book called Spiritual Fertility, Integrative Practices for the Journey to Motherhood. She's a Manhattan-based holistic doctor specializing in fertility. She obtained a doctoral degree from Shanghai University of Traditional Chinese Medicine, a degree from the American College of Traditional Medicine in San Francisco, and has studied with healers, shamans, and doctors around the world. Dr. Vaughn merges her medical education with her initiation into earth-based intuitive practices. The energetic and intuitive work she shares is grounded in rigorous clinical and medical experience and expertise. Her clinical practice is guided by the sincere desire to help individuals connect to the spirits of their children while guiding them to earth in the gentlest and most loving way. On the back of her book, it says, Everyone is fertile. However, our common standards for measuring fertility are faulty. Today, our currently accepted narratives around fertility offer much in the way of diagnosis, but little in the way of customized care and consideration of a woman's entire mind, body, and spirit. The dynamic spark responsible for creating each new human being cannot be reduced to a mass of cells and biochemical processes. There is a deeper mystery at play, one that women struggling with fertility can tap into. When I met Dr. Julie over the airwaves, I was immediately intrigued. I've always been interested in spirituality, and if you're a regular listener, you know that I'm also skeptical and feel completely disconnected from whatever is out there in the universe. But I had recently had a miscarriage, and as you probably heard me say a million times back then, I had come to the conclusion that even though this fetus was miscarrying, the soul of my baby was still with me, waiting patiently, just trying on different outfits till it found the right one. 
So when I heard Dr. Julie talking about the spirits of our children, I was like, I gotta get this book and see what's blocking me. After the radio show, one of the producers sent me Dr. Julie's book and I started reading it and working through some of the exercises. But the problem is that I only read when I go to bed which is terrible because uh, I read two pages and then I fall asleep. Needless to say, I took forever reading this book and I didn't put my full energy into it. As time went by, I was having failed IUI after failed IUI and I started to become emotionally exhausted. I started season three of the podcast and found myself completely overwhelmed with baby stuff. The podcast, my creative projects all centered around it, my, my, and my life was, you know, all about trying to make a baby. I just didn't want to think about any of it anymore. So I put the book down three quarters of the way through. But it nagged at me from my bedside table for months. And I always wanted to reach out to Dr. Julie to be a guest on the podcast, but I was scared she would discover that I was a lost cause. Then, of course, when I found out none of my embryos were normal a few weeks ago, I realized I needed to get over my fears and insecurities and just email her. She said the timing was perfect. I am so excited. And, you know, this is how things often roll with synchronicity and timing. A collaborator, a friend of mine, Jessa Blades, and I are starting promotion on Sunday Uh for an online course and also in-person workshop that we're going to be doing in New York City and in L.A. Amazing. That that I have rebranded Sovereign Motherhood as opposed to Single Mother by Choice. Ah. Because she's been going through the process herself. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an integration of all the things that she teaches a natural fertility method, like natural. Um, she's also like a holistic um, makeup artist. Uh-huh. So she has all this environmental kind of training and all of that. But we're going to use her experience as kind of the the architecture for the course about how to like answer questions and fill in the, the spaces about the medical side and also more of the energetic side, the psychological side. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. So it's interesting that you were like, oh, I'm going to get back in touch with Julie. Yes. <laughs> so. I imagine this kind of stuff happens to you all the time. All the time. It's the only <laughs> way my life works. In fact, <laughs> the only way. You're talking to uh, somebody who wants to be, who desperately wants to be connected with everything, with the universe and with this, uh, I don't know. And I just struggled with it because there's this skeptical side of me and there's this, um, we should start rolling. This is all good. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's rolling. I mean, I, right. I edit, I don't know if you've heard the podcast, but I edit a ton and I, I just Great. use the good stuff and we can Great. say stupid things and I can cut it all out. That's a, that's a labor of love. That's a lot of work. So that's, it's rad that you're doing that. I love it. I'm also a Virgo, so I'm kind of a perfectionist. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I spend mm-hmm. way too many hours on something that people would not even notice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where's your moon? Where's your moon? I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> Do you know? Can you tell me if I'm August 28th, 1978? Oh, August 28th, 1978. Yes, hold, please, and I'll find out for you. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Yeah, 1978, horse. Ooh. You're an earth horse in the Chinese medicine signs. What does that mean? You know, all the animals have a different element, so it's just a different way of, like, all of Chinese medicine is based off of the old I Ching, which is all based off of like the initial structures of an individual relating to the universe, mm-hmm. like deeply kind of uh, esoteric stuff that we used to have a lot more kind of communication with the cosmos. All of our understanding of self came from relationality to the stars and the sun and the universe. Mm-hmm. It's when we begin to create ideas of God and things holding us through 
animals and seasons and Mm -hmm. these kinds of things. You know, after kind of organized religion set in and all of the negatives and positives of that, you know, we're kind of living now in the time like post-God. We're living in post-capitalism, post-God for many people. And Mm-hmm. where all of the responsibility kind of cut, has flowed back onto your shoulders, where once it was easier to uh, think that it was beyond your control. Mm. Right. I, yeah. I love saying this is a really good question, like kind of elevator kind of question <laughs> about yeah. talking about fertility is, you know, if you ask somebody, a woman in this case, because there was no choice and you know, how you identified in the 1960s, really, in society. If you asked a woman in the 1960s how many children she was going to have, almost inevitably, she would say, God knows, God knows, Mm -hmm. right? And if you ask anybody in these days, there's a whole delineation of, like, my eggs are frozen, or I'd like to do, like, a boy and a girl, but I'm waiting for this point in my career, Mm -hmm. or I found the right partner, I haven't found the right partner, Etc. 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 I'm worried about the world ending. Etc. Etc. Yeah. And so you, the the real the switch that clicks on in our endocrine system with that amount of responsibility is one that engages the nervous system, engages the endocrine system. You know, the whole of my work essentially has been how to teach methods for getting back into that parasympathetic space and that belief in a greater something holding you without using uh, the triggering aspects of a lot of religion and philosophy and patriarchal systems that have failed people. Mm. Just hearing you say this stuff is already making me emotional. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I should have warned you. I'm a huge crier. I, that's like ten points in your favor. It's better out, out, better out than in. Right? <laughs> that's what my grandmother says when she farts or burps. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know where you get it from, then. Uh, but uh, just the idea of like, I don't feel like I can let go because I'm a single person. I I can't like just let it go and see what happens because I'm not going to have a child if I'm not. Mm. specifically trying to find sperm and you know doing these actual physical inseminations I'm not just going to randomly fall pregnant so I don't I feel like I need to like I'm just I've just been going at this hard for a while yeah here you go that's one of the most difficult places to be in and that's when I actually do end up working with many many of my clients and around the world and patients is when you get to that point yeah. Um, and that for me is one of the bigger opportunities within the process. You know, I always say to everyone, regardless of where a sperm's coming from, your partner or not, that when pregnancy doesn't happen when you exactly when you want it to, uh-huh. you know, it's just such a huge window of uh, a space to engage with aspects of your unconscious, your fear, your identity that you just don't get many times in your life. Because it is so deep and it hits so hard. You know, as a he- I'm a healer and I'm a holistic healer. Yeah. So for me, the any access the symptom gives us to the deep root mm-hmm. is is super, super important. It's no no different in the fertility process. It's not pathological. You know, there's nothing pathological about getting pregnant or when mm. it's not happening when you want it to. Uh, there's nothing pathological about pregnancy itself. We really treat it that way in the society. It's very medicalized from the get-go. Yeah. And that brings me back to 
you know, the more um, reproductive medicine you're using within the process of getting pregnant, the more I recommend the counterpose, which is a lot of like woo-woo and spirituality and stuff that maybe even feel like uncomfortable for you. Yeah. But it just brings in the the romance and the, the creative aspect of it because regardless of however much you've got your, your labs figured out and your ultrasounds figured out and your IUIs figured out, there's still a, a really huge part of the conception of all of us that is a great mystery. Where did you stop in the book? I don't remember. Let me see. I've got it right here. Let me see where I've got it. Because that's going to be an indication to me of where... <laughs> where you're blocked within your process because the book is written that way you start with the beginning as a kind of rudimentary process of releasing trauma and then moving up so i'm interested in where you stopped it looks like i got through chapter six Uh, all right no there's more hold on but then i stopped her because though i totally wanted to con her into giving me free therapy via podcast i wanted her to first explain what she does in her own words and how the book works but don't worry, I totally con her into free therapy later on in the episode. My specific gift as a healer is a very odd thing to explain to people at a party. <laughs> <laughs> but in the beginning of my book, Spiritual Fertility, Integrative Practices for the Journey to Motherhood, that was released with Hay House in July um, 2019, I lay out the beginning part of it tells the story of how I came to know that I had a specific gift of understanding the connection of spirit babies, as they're called, or souls karmically related to an individual. And mm. while my work within medicine was is very uh, rudimentary in a lot of ways, from the structure of how I learned from the, from the ground up about when somebody is missing a substance like blood deficiency or when there's something out of whack in their body, and I've worked within the physical for a very long time, I've worked with uh, the best reproductive medical doctors in the world here in New York City and in California and in China where I did a residency. So I understand from the clinical perspective, the process, the medical side and all the endocrinology. And what was mysterious for me after coming to New York City to start practicing uh, was I was realizing that my success levels were just a lot higher than people in my field, Mm. even with the same training. And I was curious as to what was happening and why, what was I doing differently? And when I really started to look at the day in and day out, my bedside manner and what I was bringing into each session, I realized that a lot of it was the work within the book that I laid out, which is how do you actually use, because it's not enough anymore just to put somebody into, you know, parasympathetic relaxed state with say acupuncture or meditation or yoga, you know, there's, there's components where that is just like an access point to start looking at some of the deeper levels of holding patterns or trauma, which means wounds in the energetic body and the physical body. And while this might sound even for, you know, a lot of people have some relation to this language at this point, either if you're a skeptic or not. You know, the point that I like to make is that it doesn't really matter if you believe in it or not at the end of the day. Like if you are in the process of getting pregnant and it's not happening, then you need as many lifelines thrown down to you to help give you this perspective to Mm. disengage from your nervous system and from this concept that it all comes down to you. 
and that mm. you're doing something wrong or the medicine's not working. Um, mm. And so that's what the book is about, essentially. It's like a step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter-by-chapter, how to work from the ground up and go as high up as possible mm. to basically help you get pregnant. <sighs> Tell me again. So you're, where are you right now? Um, it's not like you're in my clinic. You come in. Okay. How can I, how can I help is the question I always ask. Okay. How can I help? I started looking for a sperm donor about a year and a half ago on the podcast. And I was basically just interviewing friends and I wasn't, I knew I wanted kids. I was 39, but I didn't have, I didn't have a a partner and I didn't know, I just didn't feel ready to do it by myself, but I knew I needed to get going. I needed to figure it out. And so I started this podcast. Let's stop stop that for a second. Let's stop right there. Okay. Where in your narrative yeah, and where did you, where does that belief come from? But I knew I needed to get going. Uh, My age. Okay. That I was getting to a point where my window would be closing soon. So this is the work for me already in the very beginning. Uh, Yeah. I never ask somebody's age. I I never, I never do. I mean, it doesn't matter to you that if somebody's 45 and I mean, I'm not 45, but. You don't think that that, that, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about how I work in that way in a second, but let's just talk about this for a moment. If the very beginning of this narrative came mm. from a, a limiting belief or fear for you, mm. that time was running out. I will say that time has been running out for me since I was 28. <laughs> like I've been thinking that the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> about, about life or about pregnancy? Pregnancy. I see. I'm already so crying. <laughs> yeah. 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 So this is something you've wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. It's okay. Yeah. I always wanted, uh, my mom had five kids and I always wanted a lot of kids and, um, I had a very happy, um, childhood. Uh, she was a, a working woman and had what, like we lived in Westchester County and she worked in Manhattan and she was a very powerful woman in the ad industry, and uh, she was just my idol. And she was um, successful, had a bunch of kids and a loving husband, and that's what I wanted and expected. Mm-hmm. And I chose this um, alternative life for myself of acting and pursuing creative goals and um, ended up with a, a on and off with a, a guy that was never going to be a father for many, many years. And, um, yeah, by the time I started dating after I broke up with him the first time, I was like, I remember I was 28 and I told somebody I broke up with somebody because I said, well, I'm no spring chicken. You know, I, I know you're not the father of my children, so I got to move on even though we're having a good time. Hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I I feared this happening, but I never, like, I feared that I would, I would see women that were my age now, uh, if they were single and without children, I would feel sorry for them and think, oh my God, I, I, that's never going to happen to me. Or I hope that never happens to me. But like, I never, yeah, I just felt bad for them, even though I shouldn't have some of them, most of them were probably happily Mm -hmm, 40 mm -hmm. single and childless. Um, Yeah. Anyway, these are some of the beliefs I've had in my head or had in my head from a young age. You know, what you're sharing is many of us, you know, we're kind of the unintended consequences right now of the sexual revolution in a lot of way. Mm -hmm. You have more sexual freedom and liberation than your mother ever did. Mm -hmm. 
And it's all a new space of navigation as well. And we were the first, you know, couple generations to have access to birth control from an early point of our lives. Right. To have access to uh, the idea of multiplicity of partners, to have access to uh, fuller paths of careers with, with or without children. So there's, you know, there's a lot within that. The first always have the hardest way of, of clearing the path. It's not easy. That doesn't yeah. mean, you know, it's not going to happen, but it also means that's why I'm such a proponent and fan of all my single moms by choice, my sovereign mothers, because it, you're like frontiers people. And, <laughs> you know, when you're on the frontiers, you have to like, you get to choose the best land in a lot of ways, but there's also like, it's really hard to, to get there. It's really hard to care for it. It's really hard to, you know, people, it's a little lonely. There's not many answers of how to, what to do with this kind of land. Yeah. I see it as an extension of feminism, my own beliefs in feminism to come in. And I see this as the dream, ultimately, of some of those like second and third wave feminists. Yeah. That what I see in reality is that your path is very unsupported by the medical system and by society in general. Society doesn't even understand it all. The medical path in general, like they only understand it as infertility uh -huh. because that's the only way they can think about when sperm isn't coming from your partner. Right. Yeah. So already things are stacked against you as far as the narrative goes and what, how clear you need to get with your own belief and your own uh, sitting in your own knowing of this is something I really want. And, you know, whatever narrative is coming at me, I'm going to take with a grain of salt because they don't understand that I'm on the frontier. They don't right. understand the frontier. They have their wisdom. They have their knowledge. But how can I make that work for me? They work for me. And I see this over and over again with people who, you know, are choosing to pursue it is that already the cards feel stacked against you from the beginning. Like exposing that narrative to something bigger, more expansive, as opposed to contracted, I think is really a positive thing for your nervous system and your endocrine system through the process. And I think, you know, just continuing to seek and, and look for more information is also really important. Um, yeah. You know, I know I've worked with some of the best uh, integrative physicians and midwives who work with holistic fertility. And I myself have worked for a long time through basically like lesbian and queer community here in New York City, I've been working for a long time on, on helping people get pregnant with ICI and IUI uh -huh. when sperm wasn't coming from their partner, but they had one. So I know a lot of the behind the scenes tricks clinically uh, of making it more, you know, the necessity of the timing of the cycle and getting the, the menstrual cycle super regulated and getting ovulation nice and clear and all the signs around it. And, you know, the necessity sometimes of doing it two IUIs instead of one. And But all of that being said, like, I always like to remind people that everybody ovulates at a very different rate and at a very different time. And when sperm is not coming from your partner and it's frozen, at best, it's alive for 20 hours. Right. You know, and it just means that, say, you two or three times in, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you. It just means that you have statistically, you have to try longer and harder. Yeah. I always thought that I was super fertile, that I was like better than everybody else in the world on, on the planet at, at my age, that like 
that I was so young in my ovaries. And even during my IUIs, I didn't stop doing the IUIs because I didn't think I would get pregnant eventually. I stopped because I was spending too much money and I should I needed to move to the next thing because I didn't know how long it would take. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Then I realized I never finished filling her in on my fertility journey. So I told her about the four home inseminations with a known donor, about the pregnancy and the miscarriage at seven and a half weeks, and then how I didn't have a donor anymore and I had to go to a sperm bank, and then two failed IUIs, then a third IUI where I had a chemical pregnancy, and then a fourth IUI that didn't work. I've basically been trying consistently for the last 10 or 11 months. And then I started the IVF process in September. I got I did an egg retrieval and had 16 eggs and ended up with five blastocysts on day five or six or mm-hmm. s- and seven. And then none of them came back normal. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that wrecked me because that was like, I don't know. I just, I just didn't think that it would happen to me, <laughs> that this would happen. I was scared of it happening, but my heart didn't think that I, that this would happen. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so you're now, <laughs> you're, you're sitting here now with, what do I do? How do I proceed? What does this all mean? Yeah, I do. I also have um, 16 frozen eggs from when I was 37, and I was saving those for, uh, you know, if, if my man ever showed up for, you know, down the road. But I, I've decided to use those now. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, men show up down the road anyway. In the book, I have an amazingly beautiful story about a single mom who I worked with. Amazing. I love this woman so much. She was like 41. She came to me. She's like, I'm not, I haven't met anybody. I want to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby. I was like, great. She's like, but nobody, nobody, no one is telling me that I should. Everyone says the opposite. And I was like, you should. <laughs> How can I help? <laughs> and, you know, I saw her like maybe for like a month or two. And then I didn't see her again. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Sometimes this happens. And then two years later, she shows up. She got pregnant that time, basically. And, and shared with me the most beautiful story. Because after her son was born, a couple of months afterward, she met the love of her life. Well, that's what I want to happen, and I assume it better happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just an example. A lot of people, like, sometimes we have this real idea, especially with, with children, we think, oh, well, no one's going to, you know, it's going to block future things from happening. And I, I I never see it that way. I think especially now, like, if you know, you, we all can have children that we go into new relationships with, and that's the norm. But yeah. and sometimes it's what needs to happen in order for the events of your life to unfold. I think that I'm that I've got my brain wrapped around that one. Okay, I'm a very positive thinking person. I don't think these shitty things are going to happen to me. Sorry, I'm I'm not using the right words. I'm like framing everything <laughs> wrong and making I don't know. But uh, 
I was going to save them because I uh, for for the guy down the road in case he wanted to have a kid with me. But I was still going to use my try and have a baby now by myself. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm 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 I've let that go completely because this is my only option because I don't have the money to do this yeah. over and over again or even once. <laughs> yeah, um, I understand. But I'm now scared that my eggs aren't going to work. The ones that are frozen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Terrified of yeah. that. Well, you've got the trauma, you know, the trauma from the miscarriage and the chemical uh, pregnancy. And then the report back from the yeah. doctor, you know, the embryology. So what does fear do in our body? You know, when we experience fear as in our animal body, we have stress hormones that are released, which are beautiful things. They really help us survive. Uh, Adrenaline is a really well-known one, but there's all kinds of other ones, cortisol and many other ones. And the thing that we don't, you know, all the hormones dance together, even if it's a stress hormone and like a sex hormone, they all end up kind of bumping up from against each other in an awkward way, like a dance. Uh Uh-huh. This is how I my work I feel is important in like the subclinical aspect of how to prepare the body and make it more receptive for going into another process when you've experienced a lot of fear or shock or pain. And it it doesn't especially when you're in it it doesn't it feels really heavy and you're like I I can't how do I get rid of this? There's no way to get rid of this. But you know I always try and encourage you the fact that you even are is showing you that you are capable of it. A lot of the, you know, if you were coming to see me, we would be getting into like how we would formulate a plan for you. I'd be giving you specific exercises. We'd be doing other work, other modalities we might be bringing in uh, to help start to like deconstruct this trauma. So when you go into your next round, it'll be there, but you'll have a very different relationship with it, right? Yeah. Uh, Than it just kind of owning the room. And I've come up with like 10,000 things to do right. <laughs> to address this very thing Yeah, uh, because you're not alone. You know, you're just making me realize that the maybe part of the fear of using the eggs is that that's not something I can control right now by myself, by eating right, by exercising, by taking the right vitamins because it's, it's already happened. Like when I was 37 and I wasn't as healthy back then and I was drinking more and probably and not taking the right vitamins and you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I I I feel like I should or could have more success now because I'm healthier I want to force these the this to work and I can't do anything if we use those eggs it's it's good or bad It, it happens or it doesn't happen and I I can't I can't affect any change I mean, but isn't that the truth of life right there? Yeah. yeah. And I believe, believe me, like it doesn't, we all have this thing when we're trying to get pregnant about what's going to happen once you do. Once I this do is gonna, get pregnant. Once you get pregnant, right? Yeah. Like uh-huh. there's this feeling that we all think is going to happen or completion. Like if you actually, like what is the feeling you're looking for in getting pregnant and having a child? You know, happiness, love, completion, these kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. But, you know, these things, if you start to find ways to give those things to yourself in the present, like to find the completion in your life, to find the happiness in your life, it starts to bring in more of what we call like more like a law of attraction type energy. Yeah. But on a rational level, you know, there's, there's no way that any person is ever going to completely, especially your child. So a lot of those things that we're looking for, 
are already loaded. And then what happens is the more of those we have, the more of an identity crisis we have with pregnancy. And when we become a mother, the harder, the harder we fall. Cause we get there and we're like, Oh shit, (laughs) (laughs) this is not what I expected. Right. Right. And so this is why it's really important work, the window. And most people, you know, you look around, like most people end up having a positive story in the end. Like there's something that comes out of it that either is your child in pregnancy or is you sit in a realization of something else, usually in hindsight. But where you're at right now, you know, you don't even need to be looking at all of those stories. You just need to be looking at like how to go back into this process in the most expansive way. Right. You had, you've had some real curveballs. You haven't had anybody there to help support you day in, day out besides yourself and your spirit. But I should add as well that my personal belief system is that your child is helping you. We forget about that all the time. We think it's all on our shoulders. But mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're talking about pregnancy and you're inviting somebody into your life, this is where you get into a lot more of the work of like the spirit baby and the how to start communing with the, you know, the kind of ancestral pot that's up there for you. Yeah. And that's where sometimes the work of the spiritual and psycho-spiritual can be helpful as well. Well, I was um, doing the stuff in the book. I, I, I wish I'd looked through it before I called you, but I didn't have time today. <laughs> that's, that's okay. <laughs> but that's okay. um, I was doing all of the things that I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, at night you were supposed to ask your, like you journal and ask, ask your spirit guides or something or to, to have your baby talk to you or in your dreams or something? Oh, the invitation. You know, that's the, the section on the unconscious uh-huh. where, yeah, looking for signs and symbols in dreams. Yes. And I it's was, a lot of Jungian psychology work in that chapter. I was doing it, all of it, as well as I could. And I didn't dream about my baby once. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, I, maybe that probably scared me. Yeah. And also you had... Um, you have stories in the book of like, I think, was it you or one of your clients who was um, driving? And that was me. That was you. Do you have kids? I do. I see. I don't even remember. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible <laughs> host. <laughs> did you read the book? I did. I, did. I have no memory. Oh let my me God. Just, let me just recommend you go read my book. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Spiritual Fertility. Your daughter waved at you. She did. Before she was even on this plane. <laughs> a long, long, long time. Right. But let's not forget that my incarnation, my work in this lifetime is to be a fertility doctor, right? Yeah. So it's, that is not abnormal <laughs> for, for my path, right? Right, 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 right. Now, a lot of people tell me this. They're like, but what if I don't have any connection? Does that mean they're not there? Right. And I, you know, I wrote, I'm, if I found the section in the book where I wrote about this specifically, I could read for you what I, how I replied to that more eloquently. But, you know, that absolutely has no importance. Uh, you know, you don't have to be able to sense or connect or commune. Yeah. With, with your baby to, to feel them or know them. It's like personalities, you know, some personalities are like, obviously the loudest ones in the room, like my daughter, right? <laughs> Showed up on demand, like that's who she is. Yeah. And other personalities are a lot more like me, like corner of the room, don't want to be seen, talk to you later, 
like just wave, goodbyes are sad. It's just a difference in energy. Uh And I think that it's really easy to interpret that as like something wrong or something bad, again, because it circles back around into the pathology of something being wrong with you. Yeah, Um, I mean, I just feel like I'm just completely disconnected and and can't access that side of myself. Well, and this is, and this is like, as I would say, you know, from my perspective, this is the opportunity when, when something and anything in life doesn't just happen when you want it to. Yeah. It always is. If you look back on the big events of your life, you know, the turning points that de- decide our path are never ones that come to us easily. Yeah. I think the other part of me being scared to reach out to you is I didn't want you to tell me that. You don't see a baby in my future. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, of course. Ugh. Of course. Of course, that's like a very... But you, you know that I, I don't share with people what I sense or feel uh, until we've worked together for quite a while. Okay, okay. And there's a reason for that. When I used to do much more psychic work, which I was insanely successful at, I have to say. Really? But it, it really rubbed my ethics the wrong way. Again, as a doctor and a, a feminist, and I'm very anti-guru <laughs> right. at the end of the day. I grew up in Southern Baptist evangelical Christianity, and I saw the flaws in what happens when you just buy something and practice something without thinking. Uh, <laughs> right. No offense out there. I, there's a lot of beautiful things that I learned from growing up in service in Christianity, but there's also the downside is that a lot of people get neglected and a lot of aspects of sensitive souls aren't, you know, seen. Uh-huh. My personal belief and what another reason why I spent a long time writing this book and, and why I spend every day of my life devoted to helping people is it doesn't matter what anyone tells you or anyone says about what's connected to you or your fertility, all that matters is getting clear and staying empowered and like your own intuition within that. And this carries on into motherhood as well. My best friend's a pediatrician and a brilliant pediatrician. And one of the first things she learned after years of practice was to listen to what the mother was saying instead of delineating it or pushing it out of the room. Yeah, Because when you really listen to what a mother's intuition is saying, even if it's not presenting in the kid or if it's not clear, you're going you're gonna to find out something that's essential and important. Every medical professional that I know, even the best ones, have a tendency to be kind of know-it-alls. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, we were all like smartest in our class and yeah. all of that. And we got a lot of like ego support from that and A lot of like who we are in the world comes from that. And a lot of people rely on science because, you know, it's easier than having to go through the emotional aspects of it, which is to not understand why things aren't happening, you know? Yeah. But no one can tell you, basically. Everything I do is about circling you back into your intuition and being clear in your intent and what I think is the most important fertility treatment at the end of the day unconditional love for yourself and for your child. Mm -hmm. So when you start to feel that conditionality set in from fear or the system, Uh how can you dig deeper into being like, I unconditionally love my child who's coming to me. What can I do right now to show and express that love? Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? Yeah. 
I mean, doesn't that feel expansive versus contracted <laughs> like in the body? It's like, uh, how can you love more unconditionally? And that's not with judgment because like who can really love unconditionally? It's almost impossible, but mothers are pretty good at it actually. Yeah. And even when you're not a mother yet, when you're trying to become a mother, yeah, you're already loving unconditionally. You wouldn't have gone through any of this if you weren't loving unconditionally. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> It just, I just wish that I could, sorry, uh, I wish, I wish that I could just keep doing, it could just do natural home inseminations over and over and over again and not do any of this other stuff. But so why can't you, is that what your intuition's telling you? But I don't, I don't want to find a donor. (laughs) Like I don't. So is that conditionality? That's conditionality to the love then right there. Um, I'm, I'm tired and I want the baby now. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, also condi- that's also conditionality, right? Like, I guess I don't know what that means. I, I mean, I mm-hmm. kind of do, but maybe tell me more or explain again. <laughs> I mean, of course, of course you want it now. Of course you want it when you want it. And of course this process sucks. It's just about staying open hearted at the end of the day. I think my worry is that if I were to stop doing these fertility treatments and trying to go about it the way I'm doing it now, that I will find myself after six months of trying home inseminations, not pregnant, and six months older, and six months fewer eggs in my body. And that is, um, that's very scary to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I, my intuition says do everything in your power to get pregnant right now. Is that your mind or your intuition? I don't know. <laughs> because I don't, I'm not, you know, this voice of like doing in home seminations, like that seemed to me to come from, resonate from a different place than you should do all of this in the other level. Like there's a, you know, so this is, we can't, we can't settle this in, no, I know. You know, an hour session, but you know, all of these are questions of, about how to start looking at where you're going to held up in expansion. And then again, what I'm saying is for me, every place where there's contraction or fear is engagement in the nervous system, which is imbalance in your endocrine system. It can be really, really subtle, but what we're looking for is the flow and the movement, right? And all of these, I found these very subtle little changes and switches to be what ultimately I've seen create success. It's not easy. It's not, it's not an easy therapy either. It's, you know, it's not like, it's it's slightly easier than shots in your butt, but also (laughs) not. Maybe it's even harder. I think it's harder. mm -hmm. But guess what though? It also prepares you for pregnancy and motherhood. Yeah. Because you're going to, all these things, like there's, everyone pays the pauper at some point in time. Popper? Piper? <laughs> I don't. I think it's pop. Popper? I think popper, but I don't know. It's Piper, everybody. Pay the Piper. Bear the consequences of an action or activity that one has enjoyed. I also think it's very brave to share your stories. You're going through it. I think that, that that's very, like, being able to have the courage to share that is beautiful and not easy. It yeah. will help people. It will benefit people, but also, you know, let people like me who are out there help you. We're, we're invested in helping you because we all have, you know, I have spiritual and political beliefs about the work that you're doing as being important. And I also believe that 
there's something very proprietary about the way we as a society think about children. Do you have children? My daughter, your daughter, what's their name? What are they into? They're just like you. They look just like you. You know, all of this is so flawed because not one single child belongs to any of us. They belong to all of us. Like it's, you know, it's not about a proprietary extension of who you are. We're talking about the future of earth. Yeah. Find the people who support you. Look for it more. Call it in. Ask for help from everybody and from the energetic aspect of it too. And, you know, take some, you know, pride and pat yourself on the back for just the work that you are doing because it's, it's frontiers person work. Oh, thank you. I believe that. I feel that. And I get a lot of messages from listeners who, um, who they're just very supportive, but um, they're just telling me that how much I've helped them and how much I'm helping other people. And it makes me feel great. It's wonderful. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. My point is that I, I do like myself and have a lot of self-love. Uh, I, um, yeah, I'm just stuck, I think. Yeah, for good reason, right? I mean, I think you're exactly where you should be for what you've been through. Yeah. I don't think, would it be fair to expect any more out of yourself? I, I don't think so. Yeah. I know you have a, your schedule, you're done at five. (laughs) How do we wrap this up in a fun way? (laughs) In a positive way? In a positive way. I mean, I mean. I think we do another episode, honestly. Um, (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, give me an, give me an assignment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I will, well, I will give you an assignment. I think that you need to do work with your ancestors. Okay. That's where you stopped. That is where I stopped in the book? Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> and the, the narrative that you gave me from your mother right off the bat is yeah. clear to me. Of um, It's indicative of some belief systems you have around that. A lot of that gets into transgenerational trauma for me, which is a whole other can of worms. The, there's always an individual in the family, in your case, one of five, who carries something for everybody else that nobody else wants to carry. Mm. Um. I Lots of ways to think about that and start to uh, eke that out as being important. When I talked about my mom and her being my idol, I just want you to know, and her, because she listens to the podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> that like all of my feelings about her, are, those are all 100% positive. Like uh, She was an incredible example for me. Not one that Maybe I too much of one. Maybe, maybe. No disrespect, mom. No, no, no. That's <laughs> but you're, perhaps your mom has never actually, you know, through her own, the way she came up and her own energetics and her own karma, uh-huh. you know, perhaps she never had the chance that you did to express these other sides of fear and anxiety uh-huh. of, of uh, looking at life in a different path in a different way. Um, and perhaps you're expressing part of that for her in this lifetime. Yeah. All of our children have some aspect of ourselves, too, that, we're, that they fulfill um, and of humanity. So they're not proprietary. Yes. But, so it's but yeah, my I mom's say, fault. <laughs> <laughs> God damn like it, mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have a lot. You know, if anything, I would say that when you have on, on either side of that spectrum, like a really, really positive experience of childhood or a really, really negative experience of childhood. Yeah. For, for me and the way that I've been trained to listen, there's oftentimes within that 
some belief systems uh-huh. that maybe don't resonate with what you and your own individuation and identity resonate with. That makes a little sense to me. Yeah. So it's, you know, no offense I, one way or the other. No. It's just that I'm always hearing about, uh, you know, stuff about manifestation and then these limiting beliefs and stuff like that. And I've always thought, well, I don't, I'm, I don't have, I don't know. I feel like I don't have limiting beliefs that I think the world is my oyster, that I can have every, everything. And so I always thought, well, I, I, I can't explain what I'm saying right now. Um, but I think what you just said maybe makes me feel a little less crazy. I don't have to have had a shitty childhood to be having a, mm-hmm. a negative result. Right uh, now. Absolutely. I mean, the more I ever hear how good or bad something is emphasized for me, there's always something underneath that. Uh-huh. That's just my personal clinical ear after doing this for a long time. Yeah. My husband is so, 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 so amazing. He's, he's just amazing. Oh. He's the best, right? <laughs> like he is the best person in the world. See what I mean? I sent these last few minutes of the interview to my mom to see if she had any thoughts on it. Well, you know, just, I mean, just personally, I think to be, have a hundred percent positive thoughts about your mother, who is probably not appropriate (laughs) because, because first of all, because your mother went to work and therefore left you with numerous nannies. So also, uh, your, your mother... Yeah, I don't know about your grandmother, but your great-grandmother, very strong controllers of their own emotions and mm. keeping keeping shit in check and not revealing themselves. And you are a kind of sometimes a polar opposite. You are an open book. You are so honest about who you are that it's, I mean, I'm so, I'm so uh, respectful of it and so aware that I'm not capable of that. And I don't know what is transgenerational or what is learned behavior when we are small and the crazy things that happen to us when we're little people. Hmm. And I just don't know. I just And I, I was fascinated with what she had to say, but I was also... Um, that's the correct word. Um, Skeptical? Yes, thank you. How much travels over the eons versus how much we simply pass on because we do the same things to our children that our mothers and our grandmothers and our grandfathers did to us. So I just don't know. I mean, I mean, aside from skeptic, skepticism, which I, you know, I'm always half in and half out. I mean, I, I want it, and I and I don't believe it at the same time. <laughs> You're right, exactly. And well, I think it sounds amazing. In this case, just putting all of that aside, can you think of anything? Like you said to me yesterday when I described it to you, you said, um, when I said maybe I'm living out some some unlived thing of yours, and you said, well, I've, I wanted to be an actor more than anything, actress more than anything in the world. Right. And then you were in a corporate job for your whole life. Right, where I got to act out X-Lax scripts. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what my my book is about. (laughs) My mom wrote a book, everybody. She just finished it. She's just sent it off to publishers. If you're a publisher, publish my mom's book.
And listeners, you better buy that book when it gets published. It was the only skill I felt that I might have. My mom was a very good actress. I loved summer theater between high school and finishing college. I would do some summer theater in um, both in Pennington that had a big theater at that time and also down in Newark. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, I mean, I loved doing that. And then I said, oh, I'll go to New York and be an actress. And the second that I got a paycheck, <laughs> it went away. Oh, my God. I was much more directed to money than I was to higher art. Mm. So I'm sorry. But, so that. Why do you say sorry? Well, I'm, I, because I can't transcend it into how I behaved with you. Well, she's saying she's saying that your deep desire for that may be manifesting through me. Okay. Then we got into talking about some of the things she acted in back when she was in her late teens and early 20s. Well, but that's your memory. I just must have told you that I, one of the things I acted in was uh, Tartuffe. And I had a picture of myself, which, you, which was probably in the front hall. I know. I love that picture. Where's that picture? It's long gone. It burned out. In the fire. Yeah. It I don't... a great gown. I know the gown. Yeah. I mean, you look like a movie star when I was a kid in in these photos. (laughs) You're just so stunning. And there's that that photo of you hanging out of that that trailer with that gown on. Did that burn up too? Yep, I think so. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, I'm saying it. Well, you say it's in your mind, so there you go. Yeah, I've got it. I don't know. Have I ever told the listeners that I had a fire growing up? Oh, you should. <laughs> Definitely. Well, listeners, the house burned down when I was in ninth grade, yeah. and it was very scary and traumatic. I didn't know you were recording. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? After we hung up the phone, she texted me and said, Interestingly, Big Nana was a ballerina who married early but loved the ballet, always went every year, loved Nuriev to distraction. She also wrote, Ancestry says we're 7% Icelandic Norwegian and a larger percent from Munster, Ireland, home of rebels, and that, capital that, is what I've kept in check my whole life. You have gotten to live out my rebel self. Well, that's kind of fun. I have no idea if this is on point with the transgenerational trauma, but I kind of like thinking that, you know, I got to live out some of my mom's rebellious side that she never got to express. Dr. Julie, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I'm butchering everything we just talked about. My brain in its current state may not have the capacity to comprehend, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to keep on trying. Anyway, back to Dr. Julie. Thank you for coming on my podcast, Dr. Julie Vaughn. On my website, drjulievaughn.com, there's a free spiritual fertility quiz, and there's also still access to a four-week downloadable coaching program, spiritual fertility coaching program, if you buy the book through my website. Okay. So those are both really great access of content of what I do. I'm also going to be working on offering uh, a new workshop coming up, an online workshop called Sovereign Motherhood uh, with my friend Jessa Blades. And it's all going to be about the topics behind the scenes of going through the process of getting pregnant on your own and 
kind of the known stuff and the unknown stuff. And that's going to be probably launching in November, December with workshops in New York and LA. That sounds amazing. And I'm going to start your book over. Should I start from the beginning or start from chapter seven? It's up probably. to you. What do you feel like you want to do? What does your intuition tell you? God, my intuition always makes me start from the beginning, but I'm a very slow reader. So the problem is it's going to take me forever to get back to page 128. <laughs> do this then. Start with chapter eight. Okay. And then you can go back to the beginning. Okay. I'll do that. If you want. I do want. <laughs> yeah. I, so I'll talk to you again. And what, what's my homework? What's my homework? Just to read? I want you to read chapter eight. Okay. Chapter eight. Yep. Okay. Great. Yep. 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 All right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> with pleasure. I'll talk to you soon and I'll email you for for part two. Wonderful. Thank you so much. After we hung up from our interview, Dr. Julie sent me a message saying that my moon was in cancer. Born with the moon in cancer, you are likely to have an innate need to nurture, support, and protect. Cancer is a water sign and so pertains to the emotional, psychological, and spiritual dimension of life. Your empathy for others is likely to be strong and you will have an intuitive ability to sense what others need. Cancer is also a cardinal sign and so is concerned with taking action somehow. You are likely to feel a sense of responsibility that will impel you to take action where others' well-beings are concerned. This is a sign of emotional support, of deep connection to family, family, home, and togetherness, a sense of emotional well-being comes from the family and home connections that you create in your life. Well, I mean, this all sounds pretty accurate. Okay, so I can't figure out my spiritual fertility path from one 45-minute podcast interview, but I can try to absorb some of the ideas we talked about. For instance, I can try to recognize that I'm not alone, that I am supported by the universe and the spirit of my child and all of you, and that because of this support, I can try to let go of control. Try. I can also acknowledge that my baby will not complete me or be an extension of me, that I don't own my baby, and that bringing a baby into my life is not an achievement I can check off of my list. I also need to get to the bottom of my intuition. Like, what the hell is it? What's the difference between making a decision based on intuition and making a decision based on fear? How can I differentiate between the two? I have no idea, but if I move forward reading Dr. Julie's book through that lens, then maybe I can get some clarity. I need to have unconditional love for myself and for my child. And when I think about how to express that love, I know one thing I can do for myself, and that is to stop doing the things that make me mad at myself. Those things include not overeating and watching TV late at night instead of going to bed at a reasonable hour and waking up not feeling like shit. And I need to stay on top of washing my dishes instead of leaving them for the next day. I can also ask Dr. Julie how much she charges. You know, maybe I could be her patient. Now, where can you find Dr. Julie's book? Go to drjulievon.com. Dr. D-R, Julie, J-U-L-I-E, Vaughn, with a V as in Victor, O-N as in Nancy, dot com. And order your copy of Spiritual Fertility. If you do that, you'll receive immediate access to the Spiritual Fertility Process, a video coaching program for healthy conception. You can also follow Dr. Julie on Instagram at Guess what? Dr. Julie Vaughn. You know who else you can find on Instagram? Me, Spermcast. You can also find Spermcast on Twitter and Facebook, though I'm not very good at updating either of those. You can also become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash Spermcast and join the 210 other people who have done so already who are supporting this journey. It's wild. It's crazy. And I appreciate you all so much. 
Have you rated and reviewed Spermcast on iTunes yet? I bet you haven't. I mean, maybe you have, but maybe you haven't. And I think you should. It's not hard. It's easy. It's anonymous. Go there. Do that. Make sure you're subscribed. Help out the podcast whatever way you can. Okay, I'm out of here. Love you so much. Feeling much better after editing this podcast. Hopefully next week I'll have some updates for you. Okay, adios. Te amo. He could be bald and bearded, shorter or tall. Funny, smart, love basketball. From gay to straight, black to white. Tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. An Erios production. Powered by ACAST. 